Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africa House. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me this week is Robin Nichetti. Howdy. It's just us this week. Just uh, the two of us. Yeah. As uh, Will Smith likes to say. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of our team is, is ill and the other is out of country at the moment. Uh, so it's just myself and Robin today. So it should be a, a short, but it's definitely not going to be sweet. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, we're going to start off with, I think, news that has affected pretty much every South African. Um, the West Africa Cable System and the South Atlantic 3 submarine cables uh, were damaged on Sunday evening. <clears throat> or throughout Sunday, rather. Uh, one was damaged in the morning on Sunday, uh, and the other was on Sunday evening. <clears throat> and uh, the breakage occurred when a boulder apparently fell off of a cliff in the Congo Canyon um, underwater. Uh, it's very weird to hear about how, like, a boulder mm. fell underwater. Like, the, the current hit it? I don't know. A megalodon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a megalodon. So, yeah, so essentially this has led to uh, degradation in South Africa's internet uh, capabilities. Um, but uh, we'll get to how peeps have gotten, gotten around it. Um, the one thing I do want to highlight is that the repair vessel that is scheduled to do the repairs to this, the damage of these two cables, the Leon Thevenin, uh, it's French, um, it, it's currently docked in Kenya, which is on the opposite side of where the uh, breakage is. Sacre bleu. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a bugger up, if we're completely honest. I think it is at least pleasing to know that even multinational companies have to deal with slow working contractors. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a while still uh, before we get to uh, like full capacity of these two cables. Um, in the meantime, though, a lot of companies are leveraging Google's Equiano submarine cable, which uh, was a project that they launched in 2019. It arrived in South Africa in 2022, um, and Liquid Intelligent Technologies acquired a fiber pair on their cable. Seacom uh, also went live on their cable earlier this year. So a couple of uh, South African firms do have capacity on Equiano, um, but I think that this problem highlights exactly... Uh, why we need so many undersea or submarine cables around the coast of Africa because mm. when two break um, like if this had been a couple of years ago like let's say 2019 there would be no internet for a lot of people in South there Africa. was an incident like a yeah 2020 right at the beginning of 2020 there was a breakage and that was only the West Africa cable system so with wax um, and that was really problematic <laughs> because if you were I think it was Web Africa was the worst affected by that I stand to be corrected but I know I saw a lot of Web Africa customers complaining. Um, and since then, the, uh, there's been a lot more redundancy. There's a lot more cables. There's options to the east and west of the African coast. Um, but it, it does show you how much we rely on these cables. If you felt the internet being a bit slow this week, I know I have when visiting sites like Reddit. Mm. Um, anything that's hosted in the UK is taking a bit longer to get to. Um, but yeah, when will these be repaired? We don't know. Uh, it's going to take a while. Um, least That's not even factoring in how difficult it is to repair these cables. You also need to find the breakage under thousands of miles of water. Um, yeah, we don't even know where that rock that kind of hit it is. Yeah. It could be sitting right on top of it. Who knows? Exactly. You do, we don't know until they get down there and manage to take a look at it. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be a while, especially given that the ship now needs to go around the whole of Africa again. Um, and hopefully it picks up, hopefully given that it's docked in Mombasa, it's, uh, it's picking up some supplies and materials that it needs to conduct those repairs so it can just uh, head straight there, although I doubt that very much. Um, but yeah, if your internet is slow, it's not just you. There are two very big broken cables in the Atlantic Ocean at the moment. Robin, what have you got for us? You had a, a device in for review this week. Yes, a device that uses the internet. Oh, gosh. What a great segue. For me. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had the Oppo Reno 10 Pro Plus in for review. It's a 5G uh, iteration. Um, and... Over the past few years, Oppo has kind of been kind of building out its lineup of uh, available devices in South Africa, and the Reno 10 series is now, for all intents and purposes, the flagship offering uh, that the company has made available in SA. That's outside, of course, of the the foldable yeah. that they launched earlier in the year. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the Reno 10 Pro Plus is top of the pops if you are wanting a Oppo device in South Africa. So we had uh, time with it for over the past couple of weeks to test it out, kind of see what its performance is like. And in general, it is really good. Um, I think Oppo have done a great job as far as delivering um, solid flagship experiences in South Africa. I believe we reviewed the Reno 5 when Oppo first launched in South Africa and then the Reno 8 last year. Mm. Uh, Clinton reviewed that one also was really impressed with the device. And the Reno 10 Pro Plus is uh, much the same. Um, as far as its internal specifications are concerned, you're pretty much getting close to, if not the best that's available in the market, uh, an octa-core Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 processor. I know you get better ones, but that's nothing to shirk at. Yeah. Um, it's got a trio of, of lenses on the rear, a 50 megapixel uh, main camera, a 64 megapixel telephoto, and an 8 megapixel ultra wide angle one. Again, that's pretty much par for the course. Uh, 12 gigabyte RAM, 256 gigabytes of storage, 4000 milliamp uh, hour battery, um, 5G, Wi Fi 6, and a price tag of 21,999 Rand, depending on the retailer. Um, Oppo uh, has been quite uh, selective as far as pricing is concerned. It's mm. been only been re announcing contract pricing, which is in the region of around 899 Rand per month, depending on uh, which network you're going with. So as far as, I guess, the boxes that need to be ticked for a flagship phone, the Reno 10 does that, uh, and we're really impressed with its performance. The problem, however, is the price. Yeah, because at that price point, you're playing at the Galaxy S23 range, uh -huh. which still, for my money, I'm, I'm talking, talking about the Ultra or the Plus. Mm. The S23, I th still think, is your best bang for buck in the flagship space. We're just, just talking about a core experience. Yeah. Um, yes, a lot of Chinese manufacturers have really tempting offer offerings on the table, but I think for a consumer that just wants something that they power on, it just works well. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to advise that they probably go for a Samsung device. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been using an S10 Plus now since 2019, and it's getting old in the tooth now, sure. But if I were looking to replace it and I was looking to spend that amount of money, um, I'd just get another Samsung, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, um, we've already kind of spoken about um, Huawei's issues in the space, um, and... I think of all the other Chinese manufacturers that are looking to make inroads in South Africa, Oppo is probably doing the best. But I still think 
Um, when it comes to the entire package, Samsung just has something a bit more, a bit better mm-hmm. to offer. Um, that's not to say that you're getting an inferior product. It's just because we did score it um, eight out of ten, which is a yeah, pretty, pretty good, good score. Um, the problem is though that now Oppo is no longer, I guess, for lack of a better term, a plucky upstart. They now need to go toe to toe with Samsung, and right now, Samsung just has a bit offering, and that's. Kind of I mean, they, they need to look at it the same way that I think Huawei started looking at it when they were first in South mm. Africa, where they, they were the plucky upstart, they were offering really cheap phones, they were really, really good, and over time, they eventually became a premium brand, a premier brand, if that. Um, and I think that Oppo is in a position to do the same thing now, but it needs to embrace that and go, okay, we're a premium brand. And even if your pricing isn't exactly like Samsung's, that's a good thing. Eventually, though, <laughs> it'll get to a point where Oppo's will probably be more expensive than Samsung's, and for hopefully good reason. Um, we saw that with Huawei, with its fantastic camera tech, its fantastic battery tech. Unfortunately, as we mentioned time and time again, they lost the Google, mo- uh, Google mobile services, um, which, yeah, made them suffer, unfortunately. Mm. So I think if, if Oppo wants to play in this space, they need to just embrace it. Like, be the premium, affordable brand. Do yeah, it. I think, so, for people that don't know necessarily the Oppo kind of different tiers of their, of their phones, they have an A-series, which is also is perhaps more aggressively priced than Samsung's A-series, yeah. but still offers a lot of the same benefits, including 5G uh, support. The Reno is kind of meant to be the premium mid-range, um, but here, the Pro, the 10 Pro Plus, that's kind of closer to flagship. Mm. They also have the Fine series. Now that is their flagship. That's okay. their Galaxy S, whatever you want oh, to call okay. it. Their, their version of Galaxy S. Those devices aren't available in country yet. The only one that's available is the foldable, yeah. uh, which obviously is far more expensive than yeah. here that we have here. So I think when we start looking at some of the, I guess, candy bar shaped uh, Fine series phones coming into South Africa, that's when Oppo perhaps need to look at its pricing a bit more. Uh, intentionally and perhaps seeing maybe we do take a hit in terms of pricing just to ensure that we get more consumers on board yeah because i mean people aren't going to just try a new brand especially with a cell phone Mm. because our or smartphone rather because they are expensive devices and you are using them every day so a change in what you're using is going to be very jarring for people especially on a 36 month contract exactly and i mean like do you really want to take a risk on a device that you don't know for 36 months Mm. And it's the same price as a Samsung. I'd probably opt for the Samsung just because I don't want to run into any problems. I don't know much about Oppo. I don't know where their service centers are. I don't know what their their um, warranty return is like, what their after-sales support is like. And these are questions that like most South Africans will have. So it's all good and well to, on spec, like be able to compete with the premier brands. But it's also about reputation at the end of the day, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going up against a brand that's been in South Africa for a very long time, has been number one for a very long time as well. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, good device from Oppo, but yeah. there is work to do as far as the brand building and pricing is concerned, mm-hmm. in my view. Go spend a lot of money on marketing. Trust me, it works. It really does work. If you get your device out there and show people that it's good... Like, eventually, the brand will stop speaking, start speaking for itself. I mean, Huawei is still kind of benefiting from that in some yeah, respects. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's unfortunate that Huawei has to deal with the nonsense that it deals with. 
Right, let's get into uh, what we want to discuss today. Um, Disney, the Walt Disney Company, rather, let me call it by its official name, um, this week revealed its financial results for the third quarter of the year. That's right. Um, and it was... Uh, it was all fine, right. Fine, fine. Fine. Um, they saw revenues increase 4% from $21.5 billion to $22.3 billion, um, compared to the same period in 2023. Uh, and the largest contributor to that revenue is Disney's media and entertainment distribution business. But funny enough, it's also the sector that lost the most ground this quarter. And we want to discuss that, or rather one aspect of that, that Bobby Iger decided to announce during the earnings call. You can you covered that, Robin, so That's you right, want to yeah. kick us off. Yeah, so um, Bob Iger was kind of discussing Disney+, Plus, the company's streaming platform. Um, it, uh, as we know, well, as we covered this week, has hemorrhaged users, uh, mm-hmm. specifically on the Hotstar version of the app. Just for a little background, there are two, I guess, iterations of the app. One is Hotstar, which is, I guess, less uh, mobile data intensive than the fully-fledged version of the app. Um, South Africa, unfortunately, falls into the Hotstar region for some yeah. reason. Um, it, it beggars belief, but uh, that's kind of where we are at. Um, so we don't necessarily have the the full power of the Disney Plus experience compared to other countries, say, like the US and Canada. Yeah. Um, but as for the call itself, um, after kind of t- telling in- investors that uh, they lost that many subscribers, I think 12.5 million, yeah. which is no small figure at all. No. Um, he started to bring up points around uh, the subscriber and uh, subscriber base of Disney Plus and how they're looking to increase revenue from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And this brings into question uh, password sharing. So speaking on the subject, um, Bob Iger said that uh, Disney is actively exploring ways to address account sharing. Um, he also noted that uh, we will begin to update our subscriber agreements with additional terms and our sharing policies later this year. So be on the lookout for some communication from Disney+. Plus. Um, there are some changes afoot. Um, those changes uh, aren't necessarily going to happen this year. Um, according to Iger, they will happen during the course of 2024. But I think the kind of the initial stages are already starting to take shape. So I think that this is a pants-on-head stupid move for one primary reason. So this has worked for Netflix, account sharing, where you have to pay for additional members. Netflix in its most recent um, uh, financial results revealed that it had actually added a substantial amount of users to its servers, um, where those users had previously been sharing or um, what are they, are they borrowing an account. That's what they refer to them as, account borrowers. Um, and they managed to convert a lot of those people into paying subscribers. And I think that this is there's a key here that Bob Iger and the rest of Disney is missing. Netflix had a really loyal subscriber base, right? We can talk about how Netflix's quality may have gone down, but the fact of the matter is that when Stranger Things 5 comes on, people are going to be chomping at the bit for that nonsense. Same as all the other stuff that, that brings in the views for, uh, for Netflix. The, ne- the second season of Squid Game is going to bring in lots of subscribers. But Disney Plus doesn't have that sort of loyalty, Right, and this is evident by the 12 million subscribers that they lost um, for Disney Hotstar. Those are people that are gone. 
Those aren't people that are sharing accounts. Those are people that are just no longer paying for an account. Now, Netflix, by contrast, it had the problem that it had was that it wasn't able to monetize the users that were using, well, the eyeballs that were watching its content. It wasn't a matter of, oh, we don't have enough subscribers. It's that we have a lot of subscribers, but a lot of people watching the content are aren't paying for it, right? So they took the view of, hey, let's try and get those people that aren't or that are sharing or borrowing an account, let's try and convert them to a paying customer. Whereas what Disney Plus is doing is it's going, we don't have enough subscribers, we're just going to start charging people to share an account, which is just dumb because it it just it ignores the root of the problem here. And to me, the root of that problem is that there's just not enough interesting stuff happening on Disney and Disney's properties. Like FX, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just there's not a lot happening there. Whereas you have Netflix, which is A, licensing old content, uh, bringing up its new original content, investing in content from around the world, um, like non-English language content. So Netflix has, to my mind, a better view of why it's doing why it's cracking down on account sharing. They've got data to back it up. Whereas I feel that Disney Plus is just going, yeah, we don't have enough subscribers. The account sharing thing is working for Netflix. It will work for us. It's the same pants on head mentality that has us now in the situation where every mother or every streaming every streaming service and their mum has or every sorry every production house and their mum has a streaming service mm -hmm. so it, it's just a oh hey look at what netflix is doing let's emulate them and i don't think that's the way to go yeah well, i mean you mentioned content outside of say the mandalorian i'm i'm starting to see the hits that Disney Plus have on their hands. I mean, Secret Invasion has been universally panned pan for being mm -hmm. terrible. And I think there might be a little bit of hype for Loki season two, but that's really it. I think The Bear as well, that's an FX property. That's not, I understand uh, Disney owns FX, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, but, but that's not a Disney property per se. Yeah. And again, it's about, <laughs> although we enjoy the series, it's, it's still quite niche. It doesn't necessarily have as broad appeal that something like Stranger Things has yeah. or um, Squid Game has. Yeah. So, yeah, I think from a content perspective, um, Disney doesn't have the same clout that Netflix does. I know we also have said Netflix's uh, content has been terrible in recent years, uh, but it still has a lot of big hits on its hands. Um, and, yeah, for, for me, I think that the 12.5 million subscribers, a lot of that was cricket fans that they lost well they claim so they said that um because they lost the indian premier league uh crickets to mm -hmm. cricket series um they saw a decrease in advertising revenues because of that which i guess makes sense i mean the, the ipl is, is pretty big yeah and if you lose that as a, as a mainstream and you go somewhere else Oh, it goes somewhere else. Those viewers aren't gonna stick around. It almost seems like they shouldn't have allowed that to happen. If I I'm mean, a if I'm a Disney investor, I'm saying, what? You lost 12.5 million subscribers. You knew it was gonna happen. Why did you let it happen? It exactly. doesn't make sense. I mean, this is this is the thing, right? Is that like that that whole bidding process? Everybody saw it happening and was like, okay, so they're just going to ignore it. They're just gonna leave it. Like, uh, okay, the biggest mobile market in the world. Outside of China, yeah, You're going to uh, just going to ignore it, and I mean, like that's a lot of people. Twelve million subscribers gone. Mm -hmm. 
like compared to last year. So, I mean, that's over 12 months. You've lost a million subscribers a month. I'd be surprised if there are 12 million Disney Plus subscribers on the African continent. So yeah. you're almost losing a continent worth of subscribers. Yeah, that's, that is ridiculous. And I also think that part of it has to do with the fact that this is Hotstar. Like, in my opinion, all right, this is now my opinion, sure. separate from hypertext, the Disney Plus service that we have here in South Africa is pathetic, mm. right? The content is fine, but the actual platforms to stream are pathetic. I canceled my Disney Plus because it refused to let me use Brave Browser. Now, within Disney stipulation, there's stipulation that it needs to be a Chrome browser. That's not cha or it's a change to Chrome browser because it used to be a Chrome-based browser, which Brave is. It wouldn't let me log in. So you know what it did? I canceled straight up. Because it wouldn't let me use the stuff that in the way that I wanted to use it. And I think that's becoming a problem with many streaming services. Where it's, they have a vision of how they want you to use it. But they're only letting you know this vision after many years of you using it. Causing massive upheaval. As we're seeing with Netflix. Now we've talked very nicely about Netflix. But I think that account sharing is dumb. I think that asking people to pay for an account is a stupid move. That ultimately is going to damage you. But I feel like this is just something that's cons consistent throughout streaming platforms. There are a bunch of mistakes that are made that are just silly. And then there's a few where it's like, oh, this is actually really clever. We were talking about this beforehand, uh, before, the, before the recording of the podcast. But we were both talking about how like, impressive Amazon Prime Video is. Mm -hmm. Like the slate of content they have on there. It may not be being refreshed every week, but there's a lot of stuff on there if you go and look because the discovery is woeful. Jeff, my man, just, just get a better <laughs> algorithm, please. You can pay for it. Just, just stop Blue Origin production for like one month and invest in Prime Video because there's some really good content there. There's some cool features as well, like the, uh, the X-Ray, which mm. I love. It's one of my favorite, favorite features because sometimes you, just, you do just want to know what song is playing in the background or who's this actor or who's this actress. It's a really cool feature. Same goes for Showmax. Showmax is just very simple. Really great content coming from HBO, from uh, multi-choice, it's original stuff. And uh, there's a constant stream of it. But then also, everything's very simple. Oh, I want to watch something. Click watch. What quality do you want to watch that? Okay, medium, great. No, great. I mean, it's all just very simple, very easy to understand. And there's fewer restrictions on these. So Amazon Prime, you get three, um, three up to three devices at a time. Showmax is two. Netflix, I don't even know anymore because I don't see the point of having concurrent streams if you're not allowed to share an account. Like in a in household, sure, but at what point are you going to have four people in your house streaming four different pieces of content on four different screens? I do. So this is going to sound very, a very easy and lazy thing to say, mm. but I blame Elon Musk for all of this. Okay. Because Elon Musk has made it normal to just force people to pay to play yes it's it, because back when all these streaming services started often the highest tier opened up availability for you to share access mm -hmm. now you're paying for that so something that used to be free you still paid a, a premium price for yeah it used to be a free feature it used to be a perk is, now, yeah, is, now you're having to pay for it as well yeah and i think there's this shift happening, like you mentioned, in the industry where now everything is pay-to-play. Yeah. 
You don't want ads, you gotta pay. You, you wanna share with people in your, outside of your household, you gotta pay. It's just, unfortunately, and, and the unfortunate thing is that they have us by the short, short and curlies. Mm -hmm. We can't actually do anything about it because what, are we gonna, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go to, to DSTV. And I can't watch any of those shows that I have been watching over the past four or five years. Yeah. I can't get all that access again. So, I mean, the other problem is, though, is that, like, when it comes down to it, like, everybody can talk about, oh, pi piracy, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, piracy is problematic in that, one, it's illegal, probably the most important. Number two is, I still have to download files. Right, there are. I know there's IPTV, but IPTV is incredibly illegal, so don't even consider <laughs> doing it. Um, but the, the other problem that I see is that higher tiers, such as Netflix, its premium tier becomes useless now because, as you mentioned, things that were perks are now pay to play, and that sucks. Because so the reason I have a Netflix premium account is because I share it with my parents. And Netflix higher-ups can get angry at me. But the fact of the matter is that my parents aren't very technologically literate. All right? So to tell my mom to, okay, just open up Netflix, key in your credit card details, and pay for it every month. So th there's so many problems with that. Because to just tell my mom to go onto onto her computer, which probably doesn't have an antivirus, to go onto Netflix.com, hope that she types it incorrect, or she types that URL incorrectly, um, and doesn't get transferred to Netflix, which is some sort of phishing website, take her account details. It, it's just, for the older folks, mm. such as my parents, it's not viable for me to say to them, oh, just go and do it yourself. So what am I going to do? I'm going to let them just take control of my Netflix account, lower it down to the, the standard or basic, whatever it's called nowadays, uh, where you can stream on one stream, and I'm just not going to use Netflix anymore. Simple as. I'll keep paying for that account so that my parents have access to Netflix because they watch stuff on there. But I'm not going to now go to my parents and say, oh, you know that thing that you've had now for free, I need to take it away. And the content that you had, I'm taking it away. Like... And I don't know if, if this is something that Netflix thought through. I'm sure they did. I'm sure there was lawyers and people. But did they think about the human elements of this? I know it's worked for them in places like the US and the UK. But those are first world countries, firstly, mm -hmm. where, net, where people can afford to splurge a little bit on luxuries. I'm not so sure that's going to work when they go to South America, Asia, Africa, is that going to work there? But we don't know because Netflix has said that they're not going to do account page sharing here. People just need to apply for their own accounts, which is also just, what do you think? South Africans are made of money? We aren't. Like, the, the, the very core of this problem is that it's... We were given one thing and it's now changed and the value proposition is worse... Mm. And unfortunately, we now need to make a decision of do we leave these people by the wayside or do we continue or do we adopt piracy again? Yeah, I think a lot, of more, a lot more people will be heading to the high seas. Um, and I would love to know the kind of data around subscriptions over the past year, kind of how those have changed as mm. price of cost of living has uh, increased. Yeah. I think about um, when my Disney Plus subscription came up for renewal. I, yeah. So the reason why I signed up for Disney Plus was because they had a special on. Yeah. Uh, 12 months for like 890 bucks. Yeah, it's a good deal. So, yeah, it was a great deal at the time. 
Um, I had major issues with Hotstar. I, I kind of worked around. Yeah, I, I kind of handled it as best I could. And when time came to renew again, I just thought, is it worth it? And quite frankly, it wasn't. I watched maybe a handful of shows. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it just becomes untenable to kind of expect people to always have to pay for this stuff, especially when the quality of service isn't getting better yeah. and the perks we once received have, are, are falling away. I mean, I just also found like, what is there to watch on Disney Plus except for some new original Star Wars shows um, that are okay? I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, but do I really want to watch another show set in the Star Wars universe again? Tell me another story about how Darth Vader is a bad guy. Or well, of all those series, I think the only ones that have proved popular have been uh, Andor and Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah. Which does anyone talk about the Boba Fett Chronicles, or whatever nope. it was called, the Book of Boba Fett? Fett yeah. No one no. talks about that stuff. So I mean. I mean, yeah, and the, for, just to expand on this, like Netflix, I, I can't remember the last thing that I watched on Netflix. Well, I can. It was, I think you should leave, but that's just a funny show that I just watch sometimes. But the last thing that I watched on Netflix, yeah, if I can remember, it was probably like Ozark, the finale of Ozark. Like uh, of the weekend, I was just, I guess just more anecdotally, I was browsing through Netflix with my sister mm. and looking at all the new shows and stuff like, she's like, oh yeah, that's terrible, that's terrible, that's terrible. Like, it's like, why do you watch Netflix? Like, ah, I don't have another streaming service. I mean, even things like The Witcher, right? Like the third season of The Witcher is it's bad. And it's bad. I mean, I just, I, beyond that though, like I was at a bride with friends recently and we were talking about The Witcher. I was like, oh, has anybody seen it? Like, nah, don't really care. I mean, this was like a hot property for Netflix. Mm. I remember people like losing their minds when the first season launched. I think it was in 2020. Yeah, there were a million covers of Toss a Coin. Yeah, Toss a Coin to your Witcher. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was huge. And now it's just kind of fizzled away. And I don't know if that's due to lack of marketing or just folks are just, nah, whatever. But I mean, like you say, it's also not very good, right? Mm. And I think we could say that about a lot of Netflix original content. And it's only going to get worse because, as we know, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild, is, or the, is it the Screen Actors Guild? Yeah. Yeah, um, of America, uh, are both striking. Mm -hmm. So essentially what that means is that uh, any union actors, which is most actors in Hollywood or any actor that is kind of worth their salt is part of a union because they want to make sure that they get paid what they're worth. They want to make sure that they get residual checks, all these sorts of fun little things that you get for being a performer. Um, and they are all striking at the moment. The writers this week entered their 100th day of the strike. Um, the actors only recently joined the strike, so they're still a long way to go, but they are in solidarity with them. So what this means is that all productions that were going when the strike started have been paused, and any future productions are also on pause, which means that content is just dried up very, very quickly. And Netflix, with its constant stream of having to have new, fresh content for people, it doesn't have that anymore. I'm sure it can now go to other places outside of the US, and we will likely start to see that. The two things that I am predicting is that we'll start to see more reality TV on Netflix, or reality TV-styled, unscripted content, and uh, more international content, because 
you know, there's no Writers Guild of America in Africa, mm -hmm. you know. So I think we'll start to see that. But in the meantime, all of this content is just going to dry up. Disney Plus is not going to have anything. Amazon Prime, same thing. All of these, everybody, every single one of these streaming platforms is going to start coming up short because they're not going to have content. I mean, they can start leveraging old stuff. I think you mentioned, Robin, before the podcast, that they'll just go back to rehashing old stuff, which is something we could see. But eventually, we're just going to we're going to run out of content, especially if we consider how many streaming platforms there are. Paramount Plus, HBO Max, Max, what's it just called Max, just now. Max now? Peacock, um, Peacock, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, just so many. There's too many of them. And now all of them are going to run out of content and then what? They're going to think that, oh, we'll just do what Netflix did. We'll charge people to stop sharing. That's not the problem. It's not the problem that Netflix has. Netflix doesn't have a problem of subscribers. It has a problem where it has people that are borrowing accounts, sharing eyeballs, and it wanted to monetize them. Everybody else that's going on this, oh, well, we're losing subscribers. We must get people to pay. To share, that's not going to work. That's not that's not what is happening with Netflix. And Disney Plus going, well, we're just going to start charging people to share. It's going to hurt you more than anything because people mm. do not care about Disney's content. They don't. If you gave them a choice of, oh, you have to share, you have to pay the same amount to share this account with your parents or cancel it, I'm just going to cancel it. Maybe there are Disney adults that will keep paying. but Sorry to Mr. and Mrs. Lutz. <laughs> I, they know that I don't pay for this. <laughs> it's the Netflix that I'm going to keep paying for them because it's something that they use and they enjoy. And I don't really care about it. So, you know what? I'll just leave it. And if there's something on Netflix I want to watch, I'll go and visit my parents. They'll be happy to see me, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add, Robin? Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, I think this decision is probably going to bite Disney Plus uh, where it hurts. Um, because, as we've said, it, this wasn't a question of people wrongfully kind of accessing content. Mm. That wasn't the issue here. The problem was that people didn't want to watch your content. Yeah. So, um, yeah, best of luck to Disney Plus. I'm sure they will, they will, I'm sure as a company, be fine in the end. But, um, yeah, I think this strategy is unfortunately going to get copied by a lot more streaming platforms. And, for paying customers like ourselves, it's going to suck. You know what? This is not sponsored. And if they are listening, please do sponsor us. But just be Showmax, all right? Showmax is just the plucky, the plucky little guy that just keeps doing his job every day, day in, day out. Doesn't complain. Doesn't say, oh, no, you're streaming with too many people. Doesn't do that. It just, it just provides a great service with excellent content, both local and international. Just be Showmax. If you want to run a successful streaming platform, look at the, what the folks are doing there at Multi-Choice. Because I guarantee you, you'll learn a thing or two. Hey, we're not talking about DSTV stream. No, no. Formerly no, DSTV. No, no, no. Talking about Showmax. Showmax exclusively. DSTV stream, not allowed. <laughs> Fails the vibe check straight to prison. Showmax, though, I really think that Multi-Choice has a winner on its hand there. And I hope that they don't take cues from what's happening internationally. Just keep doing what you're doing, guys. Okay? Just, you got this. We, we believe in you. You can, you can take over the rest of them. Just wait for them all to, to Ouroboros themselves. And, and you can win multi-choice, the streaming wars. You can. You've got sport. So, you know. 
you, you know. Anyway, uh, that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Uh, thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, from myself, Brendan Lotz, Cheerio, from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.